There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Complete Man, an instructional lecture series guaranteed to transform you into the man of your dreams. With your host, Franklin May. Part 6, The Higher Powers, or Always Talk Politics and Religion. Chapter 1, Hearts and Minds. The year is 1968. I mean, practically the future, right? And everywhere you look, liberalism, communism, and perhaps worst of all, just feelings in general, are on the rise. But what about the good old days of even last year when you could get a homemade dinner, a nice mixed drink, and a Pensacola lap wash all from the same woman, your loving wife? Well, don't count on it anymore, Buster. The times, they are a-changing. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Why, just the other day I was out on the front lawn, openly minding my own business and just pulling on the chain of my two-stroke lawnmower engine. When, out of the blue, a van full of bearded, musky youths drove by, shouting the most horrible things about the righteous and just war in Vietnam. What's happening to the fabric of American society? Hell, the actual fabric of American society itself isn't even made in America anymore. No, it's made in Mexico, which is, of course, in North America. Exactly this, my friends, is what dear old dad called the crimson tide of change. And there's only one way to stop it. Politics. You see, to really affect change, one has to start at the top. Now, it's no secret that our current, and I'm quoting here, president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, is a pink, pear-shaped burlap sack of a husk of a shell of a man. And that's not just me saying that. That's a direct quote from my son Buzz, whom I asked to repeat it back to me. No, what we need, and doggone it, almost had, was a resolute Republican and unnatural-born leader like Barry Morris Goldwater. You see, he wasn't concerned with the little things like health and safety. No, no, he was about getting the job done. And I mean well done. Like nuclear done. Why, if he were elected four years ago like he should have been, we'd all be sitting pretty in our Russia-free world, gazing out at the beautiful scorched earth hellscapes and head-high atomic ash buildups. Ooh, which brings me to my next segment. Chapter 2. Building a Better Bomb Shelter Now, not every chapter of this carefree stroll through the halls of home improvement can be a merry old laugh. Mutually assured global thermonuclear destruction is almost certainly going to occur sometime in the next two weeks. So what have you done to make sure your family can live safely and happily for no more than six months in an eight-foot-by-eight-foot subterranean corrugated steel prison, one in which, no matter how diligent your work, will inevitably welcome through its cracks the slow seep of lethal radiation, turning your loving wife and children into melt-faced ciphers? But that's neither here nor there. A man that doesn't protect his family can never truly be a man. 
so you'd better get to building that bomb shelter, Ahab. And because your lives will be changed drastically by the coming Armageddon, I decided to lock my loving family in our bomb shelter for a weekend end-of-the-world drill and recorded the entire exercise for posterity. It's important to keep a clear head and sound mind, like Maribel and the child and I did. When cooler heads prevail, then you simply need not worry about such myths as cabin fever and post-apocalyptic brain rot. Here's an example of what it's like to get along swimmingly when you and your loved ones go underground. Well, that's it. The vault is shut, and though this is not an actual thermonuclear apocalypse, it is a weekend drill, which means no leaving, no sunshine, and nothing but canned food. I hope you gals are ready. This is fun. I suppose there is some charm to it. I'm imagining we're all cooped up in a winter cabin after a snowstorm. Well, it's going to be the winter, all right. A nuclear winter. And if you were to open the door just one time, your skin would melt off and your hair would fall out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Father. No, it's true. Why, what's this? Oh, a whole drawer full of knives. Isn't that fun, Mother? Oh, that's where all my knives went. Freck... Hmm, I seem to have forgotten spoons and forks. Don't know what I was thinking. Well, that explains it. The other day I had to carve the turkey with my fingers. It was delicious, none the same. Why, Father, you've made up beds for each one of us. (laughs) I'm afraid this bed's too small for Mother. Well, I've gained a few, so sue me. Oh, Mother. Well, you're getting a little chubby yourself, Father. She's right, Jenny. Jenny? What's her name? Judy, darling. (laughs) This nuclear winter's got me going gaga. Jenny was the child we lost at the mall and never went back to find her. That's an important reminder, Judy. Always mind your parents. Now, Judy, stop toying with those knives. Why, but they're so sharp. (laughs) It's almost fun to hold something so delicate yet so deadly in one's hands. I bet that's how you feel, Father, when you touch Mother. Gosh, I guess I never thought of it that way. There's a certain look in your eye right now, Jelly. Oh, please. You two are just poo-pooing. I'm just being little old Julie. You're Judy. I'm Julie today. Why, when that vault closed, Julie finally got to come out. Oh, no. Maribel, let her name herself whatever she wants. It's not like she's our natural child anyway. You didn't bring any of your imaginary friends into the bomb shelter, did you? I don't like them, Judy. Darn straight. There's only room for three people in here. In fact, we had to leave your brother outside. Oh, so you wanted me to not invite Mr. Ployens? Who? Mr. Ployens? Mr. Ployens has been my friend when you two haven't been around. Who's this Mr. Ployens? It's her imaginary friend, or so she says. How old is he? What does he do for a living? Is he of good breeding? Mr. Ployens is 43. Oh. He's a professor at a university off the coast of Delaware. An academic. I don't like that. And I don't like you gallivanting around with men three times your age. They should be at least four or five. Well, Mr. Plowen... Mis- mis- Mr. Mr. Ploins, it's important to remember people's names, Jessica. Mr. Ploins. Why, he's been with me ever since I had my hiccup in my mind. Oh, that's right. She's talking about her spell. It wasn't a spell. It was when I finally felt like true Julie. Mr. Ploins says that my trueness is in me, just like Mr. Freud would say. Well, I hope Mr. Ploins can fix a leak, because it looks like we have one. No. 
why I spent three solid months building this corrugated tin subterranean hovel. If that water can get through, certainly radiation can. Oh, no. We're never going to survive. Mr. Coins, I told you that I don't... Judy, who are you talking to? She's a are you talking about me to Mr. Ployne? Let me talk to him. Maribel, have you gone bonkers? Who knows what reputation she's spreading about me? I'm allowed to talk to my friend when I want. Well, I have something to say to him as well. Mr. Ployne, did you know that Judy still wets her bed? Yes, he did. He's the one who wets it. Both of you, stop. I won't have you talking to this confounded Mr. Ployne. Mother's allowed to talk to Mr. Wilderson down the street. Why can't I talk to Mr. Ployne? Well, he's not imaginary, Judy. Yes. Yeah, well, it's imaginary when you talk about him in the bathroom alone. What? Oh, Freck, uh, it's just a bit of role-playing. Well, we won't have that problem down here. There's no bathroom. Where's Mr. Ployne's going to sleep, darling? There's only three beds. I'll handle this. Let me talk to Mr. Ployne's. He doesn't want to talk to you. Oh, really? He says you're one of the commies. How dare he? By the sheer virtue of the fact that I've built a bomb shelter shows that I'm not. He said that it's all part of your plan, and I believe him. I don't like that look in your eye, Jenny. Mr. Ploins never tells you to hurt anyone, does he? No. Now listen to me. If we're going to be down here in a thermonuclear winter, we've got to get our ducks in a row. Now I need you to come to your senses. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Points doesn't like your attitude. He says that you better watch out tonight, or else you'll be sleeping. I think our What? Maybe we shouldn't have this drill. Maybe this drill was a bad idea. No, this drill is a wonderful idea, Father. Mr. Points says that you and Mother will finally get what you both truly deserve. Freck, maybe we should let Judy out to go run around and play. That's not such a bad idea, I suppose. It's not like there's really a catastrophe. And even if there were... Mr. Ployne said that if we go outside now, we'll all be killed. How will we be killed? He said that there's a comet rushing towards us. A comet? A mean comet, yes. I think Judy's talking about Longfellow's An Arrow and the Song. I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth I knew not where. Listen. It's one thing that there's an imaginary academic wandering around in this bomb shelter. But I draw the line at poetry. No poetry in my house and no more imaginary friends or daddy's liable to go slappy hands. You'll be sleeping forever. Who are you talking to? Mr. Points. Oh, bull hickey. Why, what's that? While you two were having your fun, someone, and I suspect Mr. Ploins, went and wrote on the wall with lipstick. That makes me ask two questions. What the hell does that mean? And who brought lipstick in here? Let's see. It says, stand them against the wall and watch them as they fall. Well, what in hell's bells is that supposed to mean? Now, Mother, Father, if you'd go against the wall, it would be much easier for me to throw knives at you when there's something for them to stick to. Now, Judy, you must be joking. Honey, I knew we should have sent her away. We should have never brought her home in the first place. That was your harebrained scheme, by the way. Oh, Mother, Father, you're being so silly. I'm only playing a children's game. Your eyes are sweating. Let me out of this bomb shelter, Freck. Enough's enough. Nobody leaves this bomb shelter. As head of the family, it is my sworn duty to protect my children and wife. Well, children aren't meant to be locked up like this, Freck. They need to run and swim in the river unsupervised. That's what Mr. Ploins said to me. Is Mr. Ploins single? I'm starting to rethink some life decisions. Hey, now, even in jest, divorce is a serious subject. 
Mr. Ploins knows a very nice Native American man, Mother. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> no wife of mine is going to go teepeeing around with another man. It wouldn't require a divorce, Freck. Say, since Mr. Ploins is imaginary, I could have two husbands. Oh, really? Then I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Sophia Boronsky. She's a can-can dancer down at Tubbelard's. Oh, Freck. <laughs> Father, there's no one there. Why, sure there is. Look at her. She's got hooters the size of water tanks. <laughs> Mr. Ploin says you're being silly and that you'll have to pay. Look at her garter and that feather in her hair and the beauty mark on her teeth. Oh, no. Mr. Ploin's killed her. What? Oh, my darling Sophie. She's lying on the ground, writhing in pain. How did this happen? She was so innocent, so sweet. I brought her into this. It was all my fault. Mr. Ploins, why did you do I'm calling the police. You can't. There's no phone. Just a tin can and a string to the top of the world. Then I'll use that. Help! There's been a murder. Stop. Don't tell anybody. If they come down here, we'll all get locked up. This is going to be our little secret. Nothing secret with Mr. Ploins. Oh, no. I'm up the river for sure. I just realized I left the oven on. Well, now aren't we glad we did this? Because maybe we weren't fortunate enough to see a harrowing mushroom cloud form over the horizon this weekend, but we did have a major explosion of our own. And had we not been within the safe confines of our family bomb shelter, well, then our goose would have been cooked. Inadvertently, our pet goose, Remlin, was cooked. He lived in a pen just outside the back door from the kitchen and was absolutely obliterated in the carnage. Huh. There's a lesson there. He should have made his own bomb shelter. <laughs> oh. Chapter 3. Religion and the Right of Way The Bible. God's little black book. Nature's operating manual. Jesus' to-do list. The white pages to heaven. The Julitzer Prize-winning novel. Friends, I've waited until the end of this audio lecture to talk about religion because it's simply the most important question a man will face in his lifetime. Will he walk with God or will he dance naked down the neon path to hell, holding hands with his damp and limber choreographer, Satan himself? It's a choice every man must make. But what will yours be? For my part, I can tell you the answer is simple. Why, just weigh the options. With God, all of your steps and guidelines are neatly outlined in a concise and thrilling book. Without God, you face the drudgery of making your own way, experiencing multiple adventures and meeting exciting people from all walks of life. No thanks, friend. Why, you might even have to create your own culture and art instead of taking it wholesale from within the brittle pages of the good book. And boy, let me tell you, there are some gripping passages in there just waiting to knock your socks off. Here's just one from the Book of Menismus. For Gethsemane so hated his unfaithful offspring, he fed the boy child to a beaver man and gave the girl to an itinerant horsefly who proceeded to slather her in pitch and do a boogie dance. See there? Pretty good. So why seek solace and fulfillment elsewhere? Because I hate to break it to you, pal, there are very few works of art in the real world that could ever compare to even that short masterpiece. No. In fact, what the world has to offer is frequently without substance and full of sin. It's quite honestly very easy to paint a painting, dance a tango, or, God forbid, write a poem. 
Why, I could simply rattle one off the top of my head right now. A, a love poem, I suppose. I don't know, but certainly one which I have not prepared in any way. What I'm saying is, just to prove a point, here is that one out of thin air. You are the love I cannot place. A nimble quarry I dare not chase. For love is just a lucky penny, one you find among the many. But bronzed and copper like a shoreman's bell, you're much too precious for a wishing well. So in my pocket stay you now, and heed you hard, my lover's vow, to keep you close forevermore, and never spend you, though I be poor. There, you see? I came up with that on the spot. And though what it lacked in amateurish composition it made up for in real emotional insight, it's still only one of merely a handful of worldly works of art that could ever even come close to a good verse, psalm, or archaic screed about menstruation. So I'm choosing religion, and I hope you'll join me. Ah, but once you've decided to choose religion, which religion should you choose? Well, let's explore them all. Because freedom of religion is the foundation of American exceptionalism. That's precisely why it's so important that one makes up their own mind from the three pre-approved religious faiths available to them as American citizens. But don't worry, I think you'll find there's something for everyone here. Number one, Christianity, Pentecostal denomination. Here's the austere and credible Reverend Leroy Jenkins elucidating why he thinks the Pentecostal faith is just the ticket through the pearly gates. Friends, my name's the Reverend Leroy Jenkins. You may have caught my tent revival as I go around the southern and also the northern regions. And I will tell you right now, other people are going to tell you to join their faith. I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't. Now, you know what? Because Pentecostal is the way to go. I'm talking fiery tongues forming on the brain of people that can speak Mandarin. And even though they've never done anything so far as read See Dick Run, and I have, you are going to be able to speak a Farigan language. And I want you to be able to put hands on people and be healed through faith, not science, because we all know Jesus can fix you. We ain't dipshits. So... I want you to join the Pentecostal faith because we're going to sing all kind of hymns. And sometimes we're going to sing to him. And sometimes we're going to sing to that special him whom I met last Thursday. What? Number two, Christianity, Catholic denomination. Here's the devout and humble Father Aldini illuminating why he thinks the Catholic faith is the way and the light. Hi, Father Chuck Aldini down here at Catholic Church. Uh, I take confession every uh, Wednesday. I don't mind it if you come on down and tell me the, just the real sloppy stories. See, the other churches, you're not going to get that. Here, you can come down and you could really just do a penthouse letter of a confession, and I'm not going to tell anyone. In fact, if I do, it's only going to be to s literally send it into penthouse. So don't worry about that. And if you do come down, have a taste of bread, maybe take a goblet of wine or drink from the holy water. Hell, I don't care. Just make sure you do a little tithing. I don't see any of that money personally. I mean, I see it with my eyes, and and I take it to spend on things. But figuratively, I don't see it. You know what I mean? What I mean is like I don't see it like you don't see me when we're in confession. I can see you. There's a two-way mirror in there. And a uh, nice blouse. But, uh, you know, it's best you don't see me anyway because of what I'm wearing. Act not wearing. 
<laughs> you know, it's different depending on the day. Could be a Hawaiian shirt, could just be one of them little plastic nets they sell avocados in. Anyway, I got to run. I'm doing beach confessions down at the uh, tide pool. And number three, Christianity, Presbyterian denomination. Here is the right and honorable Reverend Parsimony explaining why he thinks the Episcopalian faith is the clear path to heaven. Hello, I'm the Reverend Robert Parsimony. Won't you consider joining the Presbyterian Church? Why, it's wonderful because God is love. And we celebrate the love of God, the love he has for all his children. For now, we need people to join the church because if we don't, oh, I'm afraid God will turn on us. And when God turns on you, he does it in a big way. Have you heard of uh, plagues? Well, God invented them, and uh, he's a real cruel son of a bitch sometimes. So uh, he, here's what he likes. He likes people to say, oh, God, we love you. You're great. You're really good. We think you're just doing a swell job, and we're lower than dirt. That's the kind of shit he's into, okay? <laughs> so it's real easy. If you want to just keep on keeping on the way you're doing, all you got to do is say, God, we love you. Everything you do is spectacular. I don't know how you keep topping yourself, but you do. Uh, flowers, oceans, uh, birds, whatever. Just, if you think of a thing, you look at it, just open your eyes, look around, and say, God, thanks for this, thanks for that, thanks for the other thing. We gotta do this, because God is love for as long as we tell him that he is, okay? I'm sorry, I got a little upset there, but I'm... I'm freaking out over here, everyone. We need people to join the church, and we need people now. Warm bodies, just get in here. As of now, we're rescinding uh, the dress-up order. You don't have to dress up for church anymore. Come in in hockey jerseys for all I care. But you gotta join the church. We gotta show up as a group so God can see us from space. So now that you've heard the remarkable variety of options that await you, pick one. After all, it's your right as an American. But didn't find one you like or thought there were some missing? Write me a letter at Who Do You Think You Are? Care of What Country Do You Think This Is? Buzz Off Lane, I'm Not Interested, Wisconsin, 5300, Go Screw. Outroduction. Auf Wiedersehen. Farewell. Well, there it all is. We've basically got it all figured out. In fact, I bet you didn't know it. But all along, I was just using this audio compendium to provide you with a helpful hierarchy to make things in life just a little clearer. To sum up, it goes top to bottom like this. God, country, father, mother, babysitter. If you ever find yourself in doubt of how to handle any situation, just remember that. God, country, father, mother, babysitter. GCFMB. Good children feel muscle-bound. Now, as I began this lecture series, so I'd like to end it with a wrap-up from the lady of the house, my loving wife, Maribel. Well, hon, there it is. The complete man. All thanks to you. <laughs> well, that's generous, darling. I learned from the best. And now you've got it out of your system and you can go back to work. <laughs> Hold the phone there, hon. I love this. But, Freck, they need you back at the law office and our family needs money. Gosh, I don't know about that. That work is so boring and dull. This gives me life. Why, I could see an entire path ahead of me that's just audio lecture series as far as the ear can see. Well, that would be wonderful if audio lecture series paid the bills, and I don't want to be out on the streets like a bunch of dirty bohemians. Hey there. 
Who's to say you couldn't earn a little money, what with all this feminism in the air these days? Me? Going to work? Frecklin, the family would starve. You don't even know how to fry an egg. Well, this audio lecture series was your screwball idea in the first place. That's just right. My idea, which you came in and overtook like a stampede of wild horses. Well, powder my bottom. Oh, Freck, please. Save it for your mother. Don't you bring my soft, warm, delicate mother into this. And don't use those words about her, soft, warm, and delicate. It's odd. You're a mama's boy, Freck, and it's unusual. <gasps> what do you mean by that? She raised me, braised me, and bathed me. Oh, I'm sure she did, Freck. Listen, if you refuse to support this family, well, I'll find someone else who will. Doesn't that just beat all? I'd like to see you try and find another man. <laughs> Happy hunting! You shouldn't be laughing, Frecklin. In fact, I've been receiving love letters. What? That's right. I, Maribel May, your poor neglected wife, has a secret admirer. You've been receiving letters and you've opened them? And read them. Those are the three steps to kill any marriage. Here's one now. No. I keep it in my brassiere. You know what? Go ahead. I'd like to hear what this fella has to say. Oh, he's no fella. He's a poet. And he's sweet, and he's sensitive, and he loves me, and he's not afraid to say it. Not like you, Freck. Here I go. Brace yourself. You are the love I cannot place, the nimble quarry I dare not chase. For love is just a lucky penny, one you find among the many. But bronzed and copper like a shoreman's bell, you're much too precious for a wishing well. So in my pocket stay you now, and heed you hard my lover's vow, to keep you close forevermore, and never spend you, though I be poor. Oh. It's beautiful. You really liked the poem that much? Yes. I thought it was brilliant, and it makes me feel appreciated and like a complete woman. And you think it was written by a soft, gentle, insightful, and very artistic soul? That's what I said, isn't it? Oh, Maribel, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about someone I hate very much. And I apologize for being so pig-headed, and I was wrong now that I look back. Maribel, I will go back to work and leave the brilliant audio lectures and creative endeavors to you. I love you. Freck? Why? I love you, too. And I don't want that silly old pansy who wrote that poetry. It makes me sick to my stomach, a man that sweet, well, gentle, and sentimental. Well, don't go that far. I'm sure he had his point of view, and it should be heard like all good souls on this earth. I love you, Freck. My sweet, silly... Strong little paperwork lawyer. And I love you, my delicate porcelain little spoon rest. Come here, gal, and get you some sugar. I'd love to. The Complete Man, with Matt Gourley as Franklin May and Father Aldini. Amanda Lund as Maribel May. Maria Blasucci as Jelly May. Jeremy Carter as Reverend Leroy Jenkins. Paul F. Tompkins as Reverend Parsimony, and me, Mark McConville, as Mort the Announcer. The Complete Man is written and produced by Matt Gorley, executive produced by Amanda Lund, 
Until next time, this is Mort Kleinman for The Complete Man. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 